Monday, June 13th, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and joining me in studio today from Million Dollar Portfolio, Ron Gross, from Stock Advisor, Jason Moser, and from Inside Value, Joe Mager. Guys, good to hey, see you. Chris. Hello, Hello. Wendy's is selling Arby's, and a Macy's ad in the Miami Herald is making headlines. We will get to those stories in a moment. But first, VF Corporation, whose apparel brands include North Face, Wrangler, and Nautica, has agreed to buy footwear company Timberland for about $2 billion. Jason, this is a stock advisor recommendation. Timberland is. It is. Uh, from last fall at about $18 a share. Shares are up about 40% today. It's now trading somewhere north of 42 So. Suffice to say, a good day for Timberland shareholders. A very good day, yeah. It'll take away any Monday morning blues that uh, any of those Timberland holders might have been having. But, I mean, I think uh, overall, I mean, I think it's, it's actually a really good deal for, for VF and for Timberland. I mean, if you look at uh, VF Corporation, they actually have the, that catalog of brands that include things like Nautica and the North Face and even Wrangler and Lee Jeans, Chris. Remember those? Well, sure. I mean, <laughs> He's wearing them right now. <laughs> look at his closet. <laughs> but I mean, if you look at it, it uh, Timberland it actually has a pretty pretty big global reach. So so for VF, it gives them a chance to get. It's not only shoes; it's it's uh, socks, it's outdoor gear in general. So it kind of goes alongside that portfolio of brands that they have. And I think that uh, you know VF Corporation is going to be able to bring a lot of scale to a smaller Timberland operation. And for Timberland, which is a family founded and led business, you know I think it gives them a chance to really solidify the the name. Uh, in history, without having to worry about any kind of a generational risk, as uh, as the CEO, you know, continues and, to to age and cash out. Yeah, yeah. Ron, what do you think? You gotta love VF. You can always count on them to come in and buy a brand if, if you're a shareholder. <laughs> Whether I mean, back in the day, uh, my hedge fund owned Nautica and Vans and. Uh, they came in and bought North Face. They're they're your go-to if you ever need to get out of an investment. But you know what? Share, shares of VF are up today as well. I mean, the, this, it's this a pretty se- good deal for the, them. I think this it's seems a nice like a deal that the market likes on both sides. Gives them a nice overseas um, boost uh, to their revenue line, um, and it fits in nicely with their other their stable of brands. So I think it's it's a win-win. Joe, yeah, I completely completely agree, and it's pretty fascinating to see an acquiring company, VF Corp, stock up ten percent on an acquisition that's totally unheard of. You never see anything like that. You know, the shares are off a good bit, Timberlands, from their 52-week high. But the 52-week low was $15, and they're paying 42 So it's not like they're walking away with a bargain deal here. So I was a little surprised to see that kind of pop, but it does fit strategically with the rest of their brands. Wendy's Arby's Group agreed to sell most of its stake in the Arby's chain for $130 million in cash to a group of private investors. Uh, Joe, obviously, they're they're still holding on to a minority stake, but is is this a good move by Wendy's? You think? Yeah, it definitely is. This was a stock we looked at about a year ago, and we couldn't figure out where they were going. Actually, we had a pretty good feel where they were going. They were going to ditch one of these restaurants <laughs> because that's exactly what these restaurant companies do. Just like these brand companies, restaurants might be worse. They basically just flip restaurant chains. They go buy one, they change the menu, uh, they fire a bunch of people, they bring in consultants, uh, they bring out a breakfast menu. <laughs> it might work for a little while. They the rebrand beef it, croissant. and then a couple of years later, it's a stagnant brand. They're not going anywhere, and so they sell it. So, what is the bet here for the private investors? Because Arby's, uh, you know, it's it's 130 million in cash. They're also assuming somewhere in the neighborhood of 200 million in debt. Um, is the bet that they can sell it off for parts, or actually? I think turn they're it just around? bullish on fake roast beef. I think they just think the roast beef <laughs> sandwich might you. be good. Yeah, no, I think you know they they close underperforming stores, they tighten up the operations a bit, cut costs, 
maybe do some changes to the menu, sell off things that don't aren't strategic or aren't working, and the rest they tighten up a bit, and, and hopefully that, that gets the value they need to be able to flip it, um, either take it public again or sell it to someone else. And, you know, a lot of times with these restaurant companies, that, that is all it takes, but, you know, it's, it's a very common theme in the restaurant industry to do this. Uh, and whether this particular one will work remains to be seen. I still just think there are geographic limitations for Arby's. I mean, having grown up in the South, Arby's was pretty normal. Joe and I were just talking about this a minute mm-hmm. ago. I, you know, roast beef sandwiches, sweet tea, those curly fries, all that Dude, good stuff. Dude, five for five roast beef sandwich I remember that deal so Curious well. Deal. <laughs> I love but, I mean, fries. you know, Ron, you're staying up in New York. You didn't really see those, you know, very often. Not so much, yeah. no. So, I don't know. Well, and, we, and, and before we were taping, we were talking about Carvel, the ice cream shop, which, you know, I grew up in New England knew all about Carvel. It was all over you know, the, the TV airwaves. And, and our producer, Matt Greer, who grew up in Texas, would, like, looked at me like I was from Mars. Because you know, down in Texas, apparently, they didn't have Carvel. It's very hot there. They didn't have Fudgy the Whale or Cookie <laughs> Puss or you know, all of these great ice cream cakes. It's the original ice cream cake. It is. It is. Just Google Fudgy the Whale. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> if you take nothing else away from today's <laughs> podcast, just Google Fudgy the Whale. From a Wendy's perspective, by the way, not only is I think this is pretty good for them so they can, can focus on their on their core knitting, if you will, it triggers an, an eighty million or so tax benefit to them as well. So so that's good for for Wendy's shareholders. Um, they get to focus on their 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 main brand and they get a little benefit there as well. well. It probably makes it easier to sell the whole thing too, right? Because they had two brands now and now they're down to one. I'd be surprised if these guys were independent in the in the form that they are now in three years. And finally, the Dallas Mavericks are the NBA champions, but don't tell that to the Miami Herald. The newspaper ran a nearly full-page ad from Macy's congratulating the Miami Heat for winning the championship and encouraging readers to come to Macy's to buy Miami Heat championship T-shirts and hats. Um, is, is this the modern-day Dewey defeats Truman headline, or is this really just a brilliant ploy on the part of the Miami Herald to sell more newspapers? What do you think, Joe? Well, they might employ Dave Barry, but I don't think they're that brilliant. <laughs> Ron? Yeah, no, 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 that's a clear mistake. And I don't know if maybe it's just that I'm a nice guy, but I feel so bad for the person who made that mistake because this is not a good Monday morning for I, that I, person. I, I was going to say there was, uh, there was a quote online from uh, a spokesman at the Miami Herald who said that there was an internal investigation into how this ad actually ended up running. So that's the Watergate ex- of Miami. I'm yeah. expecting the big ad in Sunday morning's paper congratulating Tiger Woods for winning the U.S. Open this year. Exactly. <laughs> uh, now, the owner of the Dallas Mavericks is, of course, uh, Mark Cuban, the billionaire businessman here at The Motley Fool. We've interviewed him several times over the years. He's a successful guy. Um, he's also pretty outspoken. And if you follow the NBA at all, you know that uh, in addition to having a reputation for being a really great owner for his players, he also has a reputation and a history of getting fined by the league for, for, you know, for different um, statements from time to time. As investors, is there something you look at in Mark Cuban's business life uh, that you take away as a lesson, Ron? Yeah, I think so. I, I actually had some dealings with Mr. Cuban back in the day. We both owned a large uh, stake. My hedge fund, as, as well as he, owned a large stake uh, in a company called Register.com. And clearly, I remember back from then that the man is tenacious. And, and that's, I think, a good word to describe him. And uh, if you're going to be in his line of work and go uh, go after companies and try to make changes at companies, uh, tenacity is definitely one trait you need to have. Joe? Yeah, I mean, one thing that you've looked at the Mavericks teams over the years, they always have a bunch of guys, and I'm like, man, that guy's still in the weeds. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, from from an investing standpoint, that's one thing I think they've done very well, is that they've gone after 
quality veteran players and got them at reasonable prices and let them coalesce together over time. He's a value investor, you're saying, as an owner. Yeah, you could tell that's the angle I'm working <laughs> I would think he'd be a little bit more of a rule breaker. But to me, I think the biggest thing you can take away from a guy like that is to never be afraid to take a stance. You know, when you feel like you're right, when you've done your research and you know what's going on, I mean, you, you you can't be afraid to take a stance, even if it means being contrarian and kind of going against the grain, which he obviously does quite a bit. All right. Uh, our producer, Matt Kerr, has armed me with a true or false quiz. It's the Mark Cuban edition of true or false. So we'll just go around the table. Uh, true or false, His Mark Cuban's first business was selling trash bags door to door when he was 12 years old. I'm going to go true. Right, I was going to say, that sounds just, just odd enough to be true. Right. I'm going false. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Come on, Ron. That was totally loaded. <laughs> um, Mark Cuban used $2,500 in financial aid to start a bar called Motley's Pub. Joe, what do you think? I think I'm going to say false. <laughs> Jason? I'm going to be... I'm going to go with true. Got to go with true. Ron? Sticking with false. It's true. <sighs> Jason Moser in the lead. Two nothing. Curveball. Uh, exactly. Got to be contrarian, right? And, and finally... True or false, two years ago, Mark Cuban told The Motley Fool that buy-and-hold investing was a sucker's bet. Joe? Well, I know that one's true. Yeah, I was going to say, I think this kind of goes back to that era, that big old China fire and security thing. I'm going to say true. Sounds just like I'm true. It is true. And, you know, to the point Joe is making, I mean, you look at some of the players that he's got on his team, he's kind of a buy-and-hold investor when it comes to people like Dirk Nowitzki and and Jason Kidd and that kind of thing. He's certainly a buy-and-hold owner. True. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at that roster of guys. Had Dirk there forever. If you're a player, you got to love playing. For I that will guy, say, I, I can't help but throw out this this cheap, bitter shot. But two years ago, when everyone was talking about how buy and hold investing was dead, uh-huh. uh huh, and a course, sucker's bet, and a sucker's bet, <laughs> of course, that marked the bottom of the market, and stocks have dramatically rebounded since then. And I haven't heard anybody talking about you're, how buy and hold is dead in a long time. You're not blaming Mark Cuban for that, though, are you? No, I'm not blaming him for that. There are a lot of people throwing that around at the time, and that just annoyed the crap out of me. So I feel some sense of nerdy vindication a couple of years later the people who were patient and let things play out have done very well you just lost a lot of money betting on the miami heat and lebron james and you're really bitter is that it don't worry about it <laughs> <laughs> joe baker jason moser ron gross guys thanks for being here thanks, thanks thank you as always people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about and the motley fool may have formal recommendations for or against so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear that's it for this edition of market foolery our producer is matt Creer. i'm chris hill thanks for listening we'll see you next time